Welcome everyone to episode 18 of Where's This Going? Before we get started, I need to thank my sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. At U.S. Wellness Meats, all of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. The owners are the farmers themselves, and they supply nutrient-dense all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest levels of every sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining establishments, and families all over the country in every state, Canada, and Puerto Rico who are looking for the best food on the planet. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for 15% off store-wide savings at uswellnessmeats.com. And thank you to the Republic of Tea. The Republic of Tea enriches people's lives with great-tasting premium teas and herbs, innovation and education, emphasizing a sip-by-sip rather than a gulp-by-gulp lifestyle. Offering over 300 different varieties, the Republic of Tea has delicious aromatic selections for absolutely everyone. Check out the new beautifying botanicals and organic single sips as well as savor the classics like ginger peach black tea and organic double green matcha. Every shipment includes free samples so you can discover new tastes along with your favorites. Visit republicoftea.com today to explore the many ways to delight in tea. Reward yourself as you create your own tea ritual with the Republic of Tea. Listeners to this podcast can get free shipping using code PODCASTFS. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-F-S for free shipping until the end of 2019. Go check it out. My next guest, he was the 2011 Golden Gloves champion. He is currently in the UFC in the featherweight division. He is fighting at UFC 244 on Saturday, November 2nd at Madison Square Garden. Please give it up for my next guest, Julio Arce. And we're live. What's up, man? Julio Arce, thank you so much for taking the time. Dude, thank you for having me. It's pretty awesome. Man. I'm very excited to have you on today. So, as I said, I like to get started by having my guests tell the world a little something that the world doesn't know about you already. Um, I think everyone kind of knows me just from, you know, living here in New York. A lot of people don't know that back then when I was little, I was a little bit of a farm boy, you know, from the other side of, you know. A lot, there was another side of me where I used to like, um, when I lived in Colombia, um, I used to go to, we, my family owned this ranch at the time and I used to go over there every single weekend. And, you know, like we had like, it was, it was ridiculous. You, you think about it. It's like I had, we had 20 dogs. We had about 10 horses, about seven cows. We had, we had monkeys there. We had like two man-made lakes, um, my father had like really built out this ranch. It's crazy. And then it's like, you know, you you never experience it because like when you when you go there, it's like, holy crap, this is like straight out of like like a movie. <laughs> and like when I'm little, I'm like, this is awesome. Every day I'm playing around with like all these dogs, like, you know, like 
really learning like what it's like with the with the hard labor that you have to like taking care of it, you know, taking care of the animals, taking care of, you know, the farm itself, keeping it all nice and neat. But, you know, of course, you know, there's the good side, the downside to this where animals get sick and you have to kind of put them down, which is one of the hardest parts. But it was pretty interesting because it's like at a young age, I started learning about like really like hard labor and what it takes to really take care of a land. He, also, you know, we also had like a, like a built in, um, like a, like a, like a racetrack that would lead down into like the lakes. So we would have like go-karts and like, you know, dirt bikes and just freaking ride down all the way every single day. We would take the horses out and just like go out into like the wild. Even if we get lost, we're like, we're, like just like riding all night. It's pretty cool. Hopefully nobody like robbed us because over there, like the area, you know, the ranch itself was really nice, but the area surrounding it was also very dangerous. So you, you don't know who you're running into in these towns. It could be like some dude just cracked out or just, you know, some fucking crazy person just trying to kill you. So it's, it kind of like the sense of like danger and excitement at the same time, the fact that you're just journeying out there experiencing. And I was a little kid, so I'm just like, oh, this is freaking awesome. <laughs> just enjoying every minute of it. So how old were you when you uh, when you left Columbia? I was about uh, eight years old. So from when you were born up until eight, you were in Columbia. Yeah, like I was born. I was born here. I went. I was born in uh, Florida, and then I went to live over there right away. And then you know, like you know, lived like my my kid days all the way in Columbia, and then I came here. And then so there's one thing that I that I read about your childhood as well is that you were pretty overweight. Yeah, when you, I came here. When you came here, <laughs> when you were, I think it was like you're. 200 pounds at 14. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, Just so people know, he competes at 145 pounds. <laughs> so like... Wow, at fourteen too. Was it just was it just poorly eating? Was it other things related? How would you yeah. how'd you describe it? Well the thing is when I was um when I lived in Columbia, like I said, you know, one, it's always so hot and I was so active. I was actually really skinny. I can show you a picture after. Like you you see me and I was you'd be like, Holy crap. And then, you know, I came here and of course I was adjusted to you know, I was like, I eat whatever I want. <laughs> and next thing you know, of course the food over there and the food here is totally different. So then you know, I'm like, uh, start getting rolls. I was like, I don't have to take my shirt off. And I was just very like, just, you know, just self-conscious about it. And next thing you know, like, I was just like, holy crap, dude. I'm like, I'm like, my body's jiggling all over. And I'm like, I just don't feel comfortable in it. And it was, it just, it like, and you see just like the complete change in like how I carried myself when I was like a little kid. Then when I like gained this weight, I was like, ah, uh, you know, started kind of, shying away from things I was very quiet about it just it, it wasn't fun it wasn't fun but it was it was something that was for me to go through because then it's like once I lost it and I started training I was like holy shit it's a whole big difference now so you started training uh at 14 to lose the, the sole purpose was to lose weight in the beginning yeah right and then but what I think is also remarkable about that is, uh, you know, I mean, you see some kids who are overweight and, and they're, I mean, 14 is very young. Mm -hmm. So you had to have something in you that had this like motivation and, cause, you know, a lot, a lot of 14 year olds might have just kind of kicked it back and been like, ah, oh, fuck, yeah. it's going to be too hard. Is there something that you feel like is maybe like ingrained in you in your childhood that like, you know, you had that motivation? Was it, you just wanted to be the best version of yourself. Like, where did you find that fuel? Was it just because you wanted to, to look better and look good? Or like, where did you find, especially 200 pounds to then cut down to wherever, you know, you got, you got to. Mm -hmm. How do you get to that point and what's going on mentally? Um, once I came here, you know, like, and I started going to the, the public schools here, you know, that's when you first start encountering, like, you know, 
people making comments at you, people kind of digging into the fat jokes and mentally you're just like, you know, like I, I didn't know how, how to take it because I'm like, okay, you know, like are you cracking a joke on me? Because, you know, like from, you know, my background, you know, we all crack jokes on each other and it's like, all right, it's all fun and games, whatever. It doesn't really matter. But then when you kind of really look at it and these people are like, you know, these kids are just like, really like you're understanding what bullying is. And I'm just like, oh man, you know, I started kind of getting self-conscious about it. I'm like, okay, you know, instead of taking it in a whole different path, I'm like, okay, let, let me let me try to do something about it. I tried other team sports, you know, and, you know, it, it kind of wasn't like, I wasn't carrying, you know, like taking to it because I either felt like one, it, I was I was too chubby to really do anything for the team. And I'm like, okay. And, and then I felt like, okay, now like the team's not doing good. They're not doing good because of me. But like I said, it had, there's many different factors there. And then I'm like, you know what? I need to do something for me. So my oldest sister, Kathy, she, you know, when I was 13, she brought me into Tiger Showman's. And she's like, yeah, just come in, just try the class. And from there on, I just fell in love with just training. And, you know, here I am today. And I, it wasn't just the fact that I was like, okay, let me do something. It was just the people around me. You know, my family, they were like, especially my sisters, like, dude, you got to do something about it. You know, I was tired of these kids making jokes at me for the way I looked and just kind of picking me and digging at me. And I was just like, okay, you know, we got to do something. And then she's like, just do it. Just go in there. Look, if you don't like it, we, we move on to the next thing. But just go in there and try it. And maybe it's going to be something that you're going to enjoy. And then from there on out, you know, here I am today. <laughs> so then how did you make that transition from kind of training just to lose weight and to, you know, would you say blow off some steam? Mm -hmm. Did you have pent up anger? Probably, yeah. I'm always very, like a very chill person, you know, like I'm, everyone kind of knows me. I'm always just like smiling. I'm always just having a good time. And I guess the fact that I train, you know, if, I don't know, I never really, real, like took a look into like bad pent up anger, but maybe I did. And, you know, I let it out through training and that's why I'm as relaxed as I am, you know, to this very day. So then at what point were you, um, getting competitive and thinking, okay, I'm pretty good at this. I can make, you know, I can compete and I can maybe make a, a life and a career out of it. So the first couple of times when I, when I started training was, you know, like I'm, I started in like a, like a beginner class. So I was just learning like the basic foundations. And I was also, since I was also a kid, you know, I was also put in jujitsu and, you know, like the first couple of times, just like, okay, you know, I'm trying to understand someone's on top of you. You got to try and get out. And like I said, like I'm just training just to lose weight, but I just kept consistently coming. I was literally there. I was training at the school every single day, like Monday through Saturday. Like, and I was just like, I just got hooked on it. And though, as I started losing the weight, then I also realized that how my skill was building. And like I said, that wasn't really a thought in my head at one point until, you know, like my coaches were like, dude, why don't you try doing this tournament? Like, just do the tournament. Don't don't even worry about it. It's like, just train, keep training the way you're doing, and just go to this tournament. I'm like, all right. I went to like a, like a competition training that we have like on Sundays with the whole team just training. And then I was like tapping kids left and right. I'm like, oh, Sam. I remember the first time I did jujitsu and like I did the walls of Jericho on some kid just for the hell of it. And I'm like, oh, let me try this. I saw it on TV. And then like 
and then I was just trying stuff. I was someone so having having so much fun with it that I was like, oh snap! It's like it's like in the midst of me just trying to lose weight, then like I was so you know like my skill was just getting better and better without me even knowing until like yet somebody from the outside is like, dude, you just like you're doing really good. It's like why don't you test yourself out? And then once they started competing, it's like how old are you? I was about I was yeah I was thirteen at the time. Wow, so you so even like a year or you said you started you started I start I started at I started at thirteen. Okay. And then um like halfway, like not even like six months into it, I was just so hooked that I was just like, yo, let wow. me just go. And what how how much weight did you lose initially? Like what it, was that? that I process? lost about thirty actually, you know, thirty five, forty pounds. And like I said, I wasn't even thinking about it. I was just I was just training hard because I was so hooked on it. Like it just kinda kept shedding off 35 40 pounds in six months yeah wow but that's because i just went religiously i was just like every single day and i was tra i was training i was taking like two classes and i was just like yo i'm going i'm going and i was having so much fun with it that it started like you kind of see like a, like a like a switch because if i was focused on lose there's points where i was focused i'm like i gotta lose weight i gotta lose weight and it wasn't happening at the like as fast as i wanted and i'm like like, all right, you know, it, it kind of like in my mind, I'm like, all right, what else do I have to do? And then I'm just focused on just like the skill. There was like a switch that happened. They're like, you know, you're doing really good. It's like, you know, keep pushing yourself. Go against this person. Go against this person. Challenge yourself against this person, you know, in the in the training area. And I was then so focused on like, all right, I'm going to try and tap this guy. I'm going to do everything I can to get this guy. It's like in kickboxing, I'm going to do everything I can to be able to land something on this person. And then... You know, I was having so much fun with it just through the learning aspect of it that the weight, the weight just kept coming off. And then next thing you know, I'm like, I'm like, holy crap, I'm shredded. Wow. And what's that? What's that? Was there more confidence there once you were starting to get shredded and you felt and you're tapping guys and you're having success? Like what's going on? What's that change mentally? You know, I mean, you're still, fuck, you're still like 13, 14. You're still so young. And, and in six months, you probably see an insane transition physically, emotionally, mentally. What what is all that all like? Well, you know what, Ment mentally was like, it was just like it's like a whole door was like a like a door is open, and I was like, holy crap, dude! Like it, it's how to put it. It's like, um, it's like it was just like a power up right there, and I'm like, holy crap! It's like this is this is what I'm capable of, and. You know, then when I'm walking around, you know, it's like, you know, you see me out in the street, you, you'd be like, oh, you know, who is this? It's like, you wouldn't even think that I would fight or that I would do any of this, that I would do martial arts, period. And then, like, the way I carry is like, nobody really knows what I'm capable of except me. And then, like, you know, look, God forbid somebody was actually trying to mess with me, I'd be like, yeah, that person's fucked. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that. I'm like, you know. Especially you because, you know, you're, you're what, you're about 5'7"? Yeah. It's like, if you see you walking on the street, you probably don't realize how fucking dangerous you are. <laughs> like, in reality. Yeah. Like, if someone tries, whether it goes to the ground, I mean, you fucking golden gloves champ. Yeah. Like, they don't realize that you're, you, you could really, really hurt someone. Is that like, I always wonder because I, I, I don't have a background at all in that. Is that empowering? Is that like, do you feel, I mean, other than obviously like a weapon, but like, do you feel like, probably virtually anybody you could probably you'll be fine is that like a good feeling when you're walking on the street yeah you know what's great about you know the fact that i started this martial arts journey is that i knew like i knew what i was capable of 
So the way I carried myself was completely different. And, you know, through like the body language, it shows. At the same time, it's like, you know, look, you know martial arts and you carry yourself in a confident way, then it's like, you're not even going to have to be worried about anybody. It's kind of like insurance, you know, like you have it there, just hoping you don't have to use it. So like for me, I'm like, you know, look, if, if somebody tries to confront me, one, it's like, it's like, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It's like, really? It's like, do, do, do you really want to do this? Like, are you trying to be tough? And have you had that moment? I had that moment a couple of times. And this is when I was still like going to high school. Like people didn't, like I said, in high school, I, I kind of really just kept to myself, you know, like I said, you know, with my friends. And it was just like, you know, I minded my own business. I never confronted anybody. Like I said, I knew exactly what I, uh, what I'm capable of just through my training. So but, you know, you got those kids that they, they try to kind of establish themselves and then they try to bring other people down. Kids that try to confront me. I remember when I was still, I had a, like this CD player. When CD players were still cool. <laughs> You're not that old, are you? <laughs> okay. Well, I turned 30. I, I turned 30 this Sunday. I know. In, in a few days, I was going to say I saw that. So happy, yeah. happy pre-birthday. Yeah, thank Well, by you. the time this airs, you'll be 30. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so... It, you know, like I had this like CD player with like this burnt CD that um, like a friend of mine did for me. And like this kid in class, you know, goes, um, it's like, yo, you know, like, what do you listen to? You can't hear it. I'm like, yeah, sure, man. Here you go. You can, you can listen to it. And then he, he didn't want to give it back. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, he's like, give my CD player black classes ending. He's like, I'll let you listen to. He's like, no, no, no. You know, I'll hold on to it next year. I'm like, and I was like, fuck that, man. You're going to give me my CD player back. I'm like, we're cool, but we're not that cool where you're just going to take my shit because I know exactly the type of person you are, right? He was this kid that's like, oh, you know, he's cool with you. Borrow something. You never get it back. You never see it back. You're like, I'm like, yeah, give my fucking CD player back, man. We're going to have a problem. Why? Because he was trying to get like more hostile about it. He's like, no, 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 I'll hold on to it. I'll hold on to it. He was a much bigger kid. And it gets to the point where he's like, you got to put your foot down. And he's like, dude, give my freaking CD player back. I'm going to take it back by force. And then, like, I think just by the the way I just kind of, like, presented it to him, I was like, like, I'm not playing, I'm not playing around with you, man. It's like, like, give it back. It's like, I, it's like, I'm, it's like, there's a point where people kind of mistake my kindness for weakness. And I'm like, like, he's like, dude, I'm being nice to you. And not like, you're trying to take advantage of that. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're going down the wrong path right now. Did you tap him? I, w- I wish, but I was in class. But like the class is ending, so what, he's trying to bail out, and I'm like, I don't know, like, no, 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 you're gonna stay right there, and then you're gonna give me a CD player back. And like I had a couple other confrontations, you know. I remember- did you wait? You you got it back? Oh yeah, I got it back. But you didn't have to. I didn't do any, have to any- because like I think he can see by he can see like in a I had like a look in my eyes. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm like, you're not leaving this. We're not stepping out of this classroom till you give that back. Yeah. And if this becomes, it takes to another level. I'm like, I'm walking out of here and you're not going to, you're going to be in worse shape. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's that kind of like where it's like, I wasn't backing down to him. And I'm like, dude, you, you're going to give this back. You're not just going to take my stuff because I'm being nice to you. And you're like, oh, I can keep it. No, it's like, you're give back. That's it. Plain and simple. Especially because like I said, he ha- this kid had that kind of reputation He'll be all cool with you. Then he let me borrow something. And then when he try to get back, it's like, you know, it, he's kind of flips the switch. And he's like, no, you know, it's pretty much like it's mine. That type of thing. So then, so then have you had any when you're older, like in your 20s? You know what? When my 20s, I never had any confrontation. Like it's, it's, 
it's one of those that's um, people would try to talk stuff like when I was training because we had a location and this location, our location was on, on Bell Boulevard. It's like a strip and there's a bunch of bars there. And people would walk in sometimes drunk and they try to like, you know, oh, let me see what you're about. You know, we have some kids and some like teenagers like when I was like, but when I was like, uh, yeah, some like older teenagers, like even actually in our 20s. And then we had some adults walk in and just like, oh, you know, trying to talk shit. Be like, okay, here, sign this waiver. Come on the mat. <laughs> and we kind of kicked the shit out of them. <laughs> and then we would like, I send them on their way. But um, nothing like crazy where it's like out in the street where I'm getting to a street fight. You know, like I avoid all that. I think I just wanted to keep a, I want to keep an image for myself because, like, by then I was also helping instruct and I knew a lot of families around the neighborhood. So I don't be like, oh, you know, so-and-so got into a bar fight the other day. So-and-so got into this. I'm like, no. If I go out, I'm on my business. If people try to start something, it's one of those, like, dude, back away, man. It's like, it's like, why? Everyone's having a good time. Just chill. You just go. Go do your thing. And, like, I'd rather walk away from it than, you know, let my ego take over. It's like, dude, I'm just going to drop you right now and just leave you later on that floor. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, because nowadays, people on their phones, people got videos. You don't need things like that going out. I'm like, dude, just go your way. Go my way. I don't care. It's like if somebody would be like, oh, you're a pussy for not fighting. I don't care, man. Like I know what I can do and I know what this person can't do. Like if they're drunk and they're trying to confront me, whatever it is, and like this person's, you know, they're drunk. It's like, what am I going to do? Knock this person out? What does it make? What is it? What am I going to get out yeah. of it? So I just avoided things like that and just kind of mind my business. Unless it became to a point where like somebody like, you know, a close friend of mine or like, look, if I'm with my girlfriend, somebody tries to like, you know, get a little hostile or anything, then, you know, then we got a, a different issue. Do you, do you warn them? Are you like, look, I'm a black belt in, black belt in jujitsu? Uh, black, I'm an MMA black belt. MMA black belt yeah. all around. So M- MMA black belt and a gold gloves champion. So <laughs> take your pick. Is it, do, do you have to, have you ever had to warn them and like let them know? Because at first sight, they might not expect that you have all this background. You know what? I don't even warn them. Like <laughs> I, I like I just, I just stand my ground. And yeah. I'm just like, dude, you know, back away, man. So talk to me. I mean, you know, we were talking a little bit before because I just wanted to make sure you're one of... You might be the only person, I don't know, who has competed at Madison Square Garden boxing, mm-hmm. kickboxing, and for the UFC. What, is that, what does that sound like when, when I say that? Does, what's that in your head? What, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I had somebody tell me before. It's like, I'm going to call you Mr. Trifecta. Exactly. The fact <laughs> You're that. the real Triple C. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, well, the first one, you know, was that the, was the Golden Gloves, which was actually one of the most amazing tournaments that I had. It's... My boxing coach, uh, Ray Velez, who's, you know, a huge part of our team, you know, he was like, dude, I want you to do the gloves. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do boxing. I don't want to do the gloves. Ah, I don't want to do this. And I was, I was trying to get out of it. Like, at first, I did not want to do it. And then well, my coach, this guy's like, you want to be, become a professional? It's like, you want to take your fighting career to that next level? Do the boxing. Do the golden gloves. Like, we don't care. Like, it's, we don't care. It's like win, whatever, just it's all experience for you, especially at the amateur level. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. Then I went to, you know, went to daily to the daily news building and like I'm sitting there, I'm waiting in line. 
and I get to the front of the, I get to the front where the guy's like, you know, asking me questions. He's like, oh, you, you, you're Tiger Shulman's, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you're doing the gloves? What weight class? I'm like, 141. And, oh, he's like, all right, you know, like, you really want to do this? I don't think you're going to make it far. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> it was like, I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. And then I sit next to the next guy interviewing me. And the, the, the funny thing is, I'll tell, I'll tell you like after, you know, I'm sitting there next to the, the person that's interviewing me. The guy like checks, he stamps my book. And the guy's asking me, you know, tell us a little, back, a little bit about your background. He's like, what have you competed? I'm like, well, I've, um, I'm 10 and 0 in amateur MMA and I am 10 and 0 in kickboxing. And the guy's like, well, you have a lot of fight experience. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I like to compete. He's like, I, I, I want to get good and I want to do this because I, this, is the, this is the next step I need to evolve my game. And then, um, so then I leave and then I do the gloves. I'm literally fighting every week. Like I get a notification, like you're fighting at this location, be there beyond weight next week. And then after I fight, they're like, okay, you're fighting at this location, beyond weight. And it was pretty cool because I was excited. I'm like, they're keeping me active. And when it happened, so we go to the finals. And the person I fought in the finals was this guy's kid. So the guy that was telling me, oh, you're not going to make it very far. Like I fought his kid's guy in the finals oh. and I beat him. So in a way, I'm kind of like, you know, I look at him like, I'm like, yeah, dude, much <laughs> yeah, like, keep your mouth closed, bro. How dare you? It's like, he's like, it's like you, you already counted me out just because from I'm Tiger Shulman's. And, you know, as a lot of people kind of, you say Tiger Shulman's was like, like the McDojo and stuff like that. We're just commercial, but they don't, little do they know. It's like, you know, we, we have, we have a, like a, like a stable full of such talent and people are just unaware because they see us on the commercial because, you know, Tiger Shulman's martial arts, you know, it's, it's become such a successful, you know, you know, organization. And the fact that, we built them, they built them, you know, Tiger Showman's built that kind of success. People also talk down it because, oh, you're commercial. I just see, you know, that's all you do. But they don't really know until they actually, you know, see the product that we bring out. Like these, we have like kids right now at the black belt level, even at, even not even at black belt level who are just competing in jujitsu tournaments, you know, boxing, kickboxing, and they're dominating. They're doing amazing. So it goes to show you that, you know, like, we're not just a commercial. We're not just a McDojo. And then next thing you know, we have people in the UFC. And then, and then people are like, oh, you know, you, you guys are, you guys are a, a legit school. And then I think now we're at that point where people are really respecting the name of, Ty, you know, Tiger Showman's as before. They weren't showing that much respect, which is what happens when I went to the gloves because they're just thinking, oh, Karate, Tiger Shulman's karate, this, that. And I'm like, uh, no, we can box too. We can box, we can kickbox, we can do jujitsu, we do MMA. So when he saw that I beat his guy and I was the guy who's fighting the final, he's like, oh shit, <laughs> these guys are legit. So you win gold gloves in 2011. Mm -hmm. And then when do you officially become, a, you start your pro MMA career? I started my pro MMA career about two, actually like a year and a half after. Okay. Because then um, after the gloves, I did a couple more kickboxing matches. I got at least two more, actually three more MMA, MMA, MMA fights. 
And then I did a couple of jujitsu tournaments. And then from there, my coach is like, okay, look, you're very comfortable all around. Like, you know, which is exactly the path that I'm glad they put me through. They're like, all right, you're going to do MMA. You're going to do jujitsu tournaments. You're going to do kickboxing. You're going to do boxing. So then when you go as a pro, you're not just one dimensional. It's that you're comfortable in every situation of the game. Yeah, there's one thing that I, even when you say that, it's it, I was watching all your fights yesterday again. Um, you know, too many times I feel like there's so many UFC fighters. I mean, obviously you guys are at such a high level, but they're very good at one thing and they're decent in another. Mm. What really stands out about your game for me is like you're just so solid all around, you know, like. I mean, they're talking, you know, you hear the commentary while you're, while you're listening back to the fight, and they're like, yeah, he won gold gloves. He's also a black belt in MMA. He also, I mean, you know, you're defending all the takedowns. You're piecing guys up on the feet. There's not really any holes to your game. How do you, um, you know, now that you're, you know, all around so solid, how do you continue to make those improvements? Is there, is there a place in your game that you feel like, I can continue to improve. Do you work on everything? Like, what's that like with your coaches? It's, you know, the, the, way, the way I see it for this, it's I always think it's like I kind of go back to my basics. And I, in, my, in my mind, I tell myself, okay, I'm not good enough at this yet. I have to do this more. And I was like, I'm never too good to keep on working at it. And then it makes me want to work hard at it. Like, whether it's like, look, there's, there's definitely like my coaches – always you know they have like that kind of eye where like you can do this better it's like it's like you're not moving your feet right you're not moving your head i was like all right hit this move a little bit more use your kicks more and they have that so they you know they'll tell me they're so honest with me which is something i always appreciate because they're like okay you're doing this work at this part more okay there was a point you know like when i was as i was moving when i decided to move up a weight class you know, they're like, okay, you got to you gotta build your strength. You got to start lifting, which is something I didn't incorporate. And then, you know, I started hitting strength and conditioning. And then, you know, like, you know, my girlfriend over there, that's, that's my coach too. She does the strength and conditioning program for us. And then they had me lifting so I can put on a little bit of weight so I wouldn't just move up a weight class and still be like this skinny guy fighting at 45, you know, put on some weight. And anything that I need to work on, they'll be like, okay, do this, do that. In my mind as well, when I'm like, even though I, I feel like I'm comfortable all around, I don't, I tell myself, I'm like, you're not at that, you know, it's like, you're te- technically like, a, I'm not good enough yet. It's like, I got to keep working at it. Do you feel like you, you always will have to and always do keep that mindset of I'm not good enough yet? Yeah, like I empty my cup. I'm like, like I, we're working a double leg. I don't go like, oh my God, we worked this so many times. I'm tired. I'm like, all right, let's go. How can we make the double leg faster? How can I get, you know, get to the person's leg, go? And I just think, I just empty my cups. Like, all right, back to basics. Let's keep working. Let's keep working. How can I make this, this technique better? Whether, it, whether it's, you know, boxing, kickboxing, jujitsu and wrestling. It's like every time, just like, how can I get better at this? Even though I've done it hundreds and thousands of times, like there's always, there's always somehow seems to be a way to make it better. So in between gold gloves, then you're you're uh, you're the ring of combat featherweight bantamweight champion. You mm-hmm. defend a couple times, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think what I also like about about your career is I, I don't feel, and you kind of mentioned this before, you were not rushed um, into into you know becoming a, 
into the UFC at least mm-hmm. um, as well. Because sometimes you'll see like these amazing wrestlers, um, you know, and they don't have full all-around MMA game that they're just thrust into like the UFC because they're a big star in another sport. Um, describe that first moment when, so you're on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Mm-hmm. You win by TKO. You don't get signed. Probably a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. No? Then you get short replacement. Um, sub in for Charles Rose, I believe. It was what, 220? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're thrust onto a pay-per-view uh, UFC 220. What's going on in your head? You're like, holy shit, I'm at the UFC. Is that the moment that you feel like, do you even feel like you made it? But if was that a big turning point at least? Oh, it, it was huge turning point. Um, like from the contender series, because even before the contender series, I kind of missed my opportunity to get into the UFC a couple times. Okay. Um, the first time it was like, I, I was very early in my career. I only had like two fights in at Bantamweight. And then, you know, they had like a short replacement and it was like fighting in, in, in Canada. They're like, you got fight. I think, I think it was, was it Mitch Gannon who fights at 35? But it was, it was, it was like, I right, replaced part, go find Canada. And it's like, all right, you got shot to UFC. And my coach was like, no, it's like, we don't want you going on the bright lights too soon. Cause then what happens is look, you freeze up and there goes your UFC career. It's like, take your time. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. At first, like I was so pumped and I was like, ah, but I'm like, but I feel like I'm ready. And then, but I was like, okay, you got it. Second, a couple of times is um, I was, um, I was fighting uh, Brian Kelleher. He was, he was, he was my, my first loss. And um, it was kind of like, like I was there, but by then I was at least, I think I was seven and zero in, um, in a bandwidth as a pro. And, you know, I lost that fight. So then it was like, okay, we're going to do a rematch. And then uh, Dana White's going to be there looking for a fight. Okay, cool. And then I get hurt. And then I had to back out of the fight. So somebody else jumped in as a replacement. Keller knocked the guy out. And then he got signed. So there was my second shot. The third time, you know, I was uh, already the featherweight champion and I was defending my title and Dana White was doing the looking for a fight thing and he was there in the audience and I won the fight and I like decisively just shut the guy down, but I didn't fight the way like I normally fight. Like I feel like I was fighting just to to try and to, to impress and, you know, like I put all this pressure on myself for no reason and I it, it just wasn't me when I fought. And then, so then, you know, somebody else got a, got taken in and I defend my time. I was just like, I'm like, I'm like, damn, it's like, why? It's like, why did I do that? It's like, it's like, you're just fine. Just try and press like, no, fight your fight. Fight who, be who, be you. Like be Julio. That's it. And then of course, then came contender series. I got that opportunity and, you know, TKO the guy, I was like super stoked about it. And of course I didn't get the contract. And at first, you know, it was disappointing for at least, you know, well, when they announce it, of course, you know, you're, I'm disappointed by that. But then and it's at that point where I was like, damn, it was like a quick decision. I'm like, okay, you know, you didn't get opportunity. It's like, who knows when it's going to come? I'm like, I'm like, you could just stop now. Like, you could just stop now and just be like, okay, dude, you know, you sure what you could, what you could and you didn't get the shot. It's like, I, you know, just, just stop and do, you know, do something else. Stop the fighting and go. I was like, but on the other side, I was like, I'm like, fuck that, man. It's like, you know what? I left, like, I left my mark there. Like, I TKO'd this guy, and 
I did it in impressive fashion. And I'm like, just go back, heal up, train. And who knows, maybe you're going to get an opportunity. But like you showed them what you're capable of. And then next thing you know, you know, Charles Rosa pulls out of a UFC 220. And my teammate, uh, Shane Burgos, goes like, he shouts it out on Twitter. He's like, yo, so-and-so is, you know, Julio's ready. Put him in. Late replacement, he's already in shape. He's weight ready. He's like, just put him in. And then, you know, everyone started getting the ball rolling and just putting it out on Twitter, putting it out on, on Instagram, on Facebook. And next thing you know, they're like, okay, yo, you're going to fight Dan Ige at 220. I was like, holy shit. You're like, fuck, I finally made it. So I stayed ready even when I thought I was like, okay, that's it. You know, I lost my opportunity for the fourth time. But then I was like, no, 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 keep going. Keep going because... Your success to a con- to get into the UFC might be around the corner. You can't give up too soon. And then I got this fight when I went in there. Like that stadium is. What giant. was that like when you make when you make that UFC walk for the first time? You know what? To me, like some people get get nervous. Some people try to get zoned. I was like, I was like looking around. I was looking at the stage. I was looking around I'm like like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, holy crap! I finally made it. Like I did it. Like I mean, I was just so. The excitement took over. And then when I'm like, they locked the cage, like they're announcing, I'm just like, oh, I made it. Yo, Bruce Buffer saying my name out loud right now. And then, you know, then from there on out, it's like, get the ball wrong. And every time I just feel that excitement going into the cage. How do you lock in, you know, because that Dan Ige performance, he's a, he's a tough out. He's, yeah. he's, a good, he's a good opponent. And you went in there and, I mean, 30-27 to him. Base, I mean, one judge, I think it was 29-28, mm-hmm. but whatever. You basically shut him out. You were... You were just better. Um, how did you then, like, you know, from being that kid in the candy store to then bite down on the mouthpiece and get in there? How do you, do, is there something before that you do before every fight where you have to switch it on and it's like, all right, it's fight time? Yeah, you see the, you see the cage door closing. It's like, all right, one of us is leaving with our hand raised in victory. And I'm like, this is like, you're, it's like, I know both him and I were looking at each other because I think he was making his USC debut too. And it was like, we're both in for a hell of a night right now. One of us is leaving here with our hand up in the air. And I'm like, I, and it's not going to be, you know, you're not leaving here with your hand up in the air. It's going to be me. And we went in there and that dude's tough as hell. Yeah, and, look, and look at him now. He's been on a run. He's, he's doing great. And, but when I went in there, I was like, all right, let's go, man. I'm here. This is my opportunity. Now I got to show what I got. I was like, go in there. Do your fight. Be you. Have fun. We're going to take a quick break because we're going to talk about Manscaped. Mm-hmm. I hear you got some good Manscaping stories for me. Support for Where's This Going comes from Manscaped, <laughs> who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for all of your family jewels. Julio, you got any good Manscaping stories for me today, sir? Hey, look, just like, just, like, just like you said, you know, good tools for the family jewels, especially when you try you know, shave down there. You don't want it to be too hairy. And that thing just... just Nick's ball sack. All right, I got you. That's why my friends over at Manscaped have created the only single tool that you need, Julio, to shave your balls. It's called the Lawn Mower 2.0 for a reason. The Lawn Mower 2.0 is an electric trimmer worthy of getting up close and personal with your family jewels. The best part of it is that it won't nick your snack. Thank God. Nick your sack, nick your snack. It's perfect for travel. It's so small. It fits in your travel bag. It is a convenient USB charger and is TSA approved. And of course, I don't know if you know about this. Let's not forget about the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. 
you already put deodorant on your armpits. Mm. So why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? That's true. Especially MMA. You guys get all sweaty. Stinky balls are the worst. <laughs> when it comes to hygiene, Manscaped has you covered. They even have a new cooling antifungal foot spray. Say goodbye to stinky foot funk and dry skin with the Manscaped foot duster. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code WTG at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Julio, your balls will thank you. <laughs> wow. Anyways, let's get back into it. So after that first fight, debut, win, excitement. Mm-hmm. Then you get back in there against, the I think he's the younger, tamer brother. Um, I think definitely the, the old, smaller. I think he's the smaller, but I think the older, tamer brother. Okay. So the older, but the smaller, tamer brother. Go in there, you get a sub. Your first finish in the UFC. What's, what's that like? Well, that one was, it was, uh, I would, I wouldn't say it was a lot of hype, but I think he tried to hype it, hype it up a lot. Cause I know we were, we were at the weigh-ins and he like got in my face. He got on his tippy toes. He's in my face. And I'm just, it was funny cause, um, Mick Maynard was standing in between us and like, he's getting close, getting close. And I think I don't like, even I'm standing there. I'm just like, all right, I'm ready. You know, I'm ready to weigh in, you know, smile, whatever and go. And this dude gets in my face. Mick Maynard tries to stop it. <laughs> like his head hit. Hits my face. I'm like, oh, dude, it's like you're on your tippy toes. You're trying to get in my face. Like, all right, you're trying to make it that type of fight. It's like before we were, you were being like, hey, how you doing? All of a sudden, like you're getting in my face like that, like trying to be all aggressive. I'm like, okay, cool. And then I get in there, you know, we're going back and forth, going back and forth. And then from there, I just hit that sub and I'm like, like. You guys I, were on the, on the feet the whole fight. And it's basically yeah. like the first time you guys get to the ground, yeah. take his back and then boom. Yeah, that's how I was like, okay. He's like, cause he kept, he kept low kicking me, like low kick, low kick, low kick. I was like, all right. And my, my corner was like, take him down. Look, you take him down. Like he doesn't want to be on the ground. I was like, all right. Do a low kick, boom, caught it, took his back, choked him out. And I was like, all right, that's all she wrote. And then I think people were like, oh, he he can do jujitsu too. He's not just, he's not just a striker. So then it's like, okay, people are knowing a little bit more about me and about what I can do. So it was pretty exciting. I'm like, first finish. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so then after that, then it's your first UFC appearance at MSG. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't go your way. Uh, but the reality is, I mean, other than, you know, the, I think it was the two straight rights. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're winning those rounds, I think, in my opinion. So then, and then you come back, beautiful head kick of Julian Rosa. Um, when you think about it, I don't think you've lost very many rounds in the UFC. I was, you know, I mean, f- you're three and one in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, split loss is your yeah. only loss. Um, and it was probably just because of getting dropped. But other than that, you're winning those rounds, in my opinion. So, you know, you have four fights. You've probably lost maybe two, maybe three rounds if someone wants to give a round mm-hmm. elsewhere. You know, you've got to be feeling pretty good. Yeah, I feel, I feel amazing. And the fact is, you know, I have to think everyone that's helped me evolve my game, you know, from the boxing to the wrestling, the jujitsu, to my strength and conditioning, to also being able to just really taking care of myself and just helping me build. It's like pretty much it's like every it's like it's like you're building Terminator. It's like, we're gonna give you this, we're gonna give you that, we're gonna give you that. And they've just gotten me to that point where I'm really comfortable all around. So, you know, whether whether I go to the ground, I'm gonna be comfortable there and I'm gonna look to when these rounds, if I'm on the feed, like I'm gonna go, like they're, you know, I've kind of got built into like this fine old machine that's just gonna keep going. 
like going back to that to the MSG fight that with Shaman, that fight did did a lot for me. You know, one it got a lot, it got a lot of it, it gave it got a lot of people behind me because that dude hit that dude hit freaking hard. Yeah. He dropped me hard, and I'm just like I get up, I'm like I felt like a zombie. I just like I just get up, all right, let's go, keep going, keep going. I just kept pushing the pace, pushing the pace. You know, I know like everyone was like really concerned because I was bleeding a lot, and it was like a small little yeah, you cut. Had, I mean, that was maybe one of the most bloody fights i've ever seen to be honest that's pretty awesome dude. <laughs> i left my clone at the garden <laughs> <laughs> were you are you okay after, like it was just a small cut but it was just in a bad spot yeah it was just like a small cut right here like at the top like by my forehead on the side and you know of course you know we got the blood pumping we're all going so it's like it was just like pouring out so it seemed worse than what it was which I also kind of think, you know, like the judges was like yo this guy's bleeding this dude is banged up did you think you won the fight I think you know what? I think it could have gone either way. Yeah. It's like, look, if it went for me, I'm like, yo, you know, we 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 put on a hell of a fight. It's like if it went for him, I was like, I wasn't mad at it either. Like I said, look, he had the fact that he dropped me twice, that going for him, and then I kept pushing the rest of the round. I was a point. First round, it was always a close one because I got his back at the end of it. So they're like, okay, you got dropped, but then he came back and then stayed on right. his back for the rest of the round. So it's like, how do you judge that? And then also, I feel like the fact there's so much blood coming from me. They based, I don't know if the judges were basing on damage wise. I was like, whatever, I mean, it was great. People were like, holy shit, this dude, what's that, um, what's that movie with the, uh, with Carrie? Okay. Yeah, that, I think there's like a scene where she's like all bloody and they were just putting like the, the gifs online of me. It's like, this is who we are right now. Like, Carrie, like, is bleeding like crazy. I'm like, that, I'm like that's awesome. It, it brought a lot of my following up. And then, because look, in that fight, I was like, I left it all in there. Like, and that's that's a great feeling. I'm like, you know what? It didn't go my way, but it's just like I fought my heart out there. And he got away with it by a split. So all right, let's move on to the next one. Heal up and then came the Julian Rosa fight. And then head kick knockout cold. Mm-hmm. So that's that I mean, that's where you're at right now. Would you say you're at your confidence is at an all time high in terms of where you're at as yeah. a UFC fighter? Oh man, it is an all time high. I feel I feel just great. How's this camp been? Oh, this camp's been amazing. Like, we've just been really implementing, taking all the right steps. Um, you know, my coaches, even my strength and conditioning coach over there. <laughs> no, you're not paying me, but she's she's my rock. She's super supportive. Um, you know, they've been like, look, you train nonstop. You have to make sure you're also giving your body a rest because there was points where I'm, where I'm training so hard that my recovery is not really keeping up. So then I started adding some recovery days here and there, and then it's made my game even better. Because look, you know, like, it's not overtraining, but it's also if you're not recovering, like if you're not doing what you're supposed to, to like get the proper amount of sleep or getting like at least a rest day in there, it's going to affect you later on. So I'm like, it just did it smart every step of the way. And keeping myself safe, you know, like, and got no major injuries, so feel good, man. Feel super pumped. And what are you right now? We're recording. We're nine days out, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, when this drops, it'll probably be four or five. What are you at right now in terms of weight? Weight? I'm. I mean, yesterday. What do you usually walk around at? I walk around like one one sixty when I'm not training for a fight. If I'm training, I'm walking around like one fifty five. So then right now I'm like I'm like right there, 155, 154. I said weight cut weight cutting for me is thing of the past now. 
and we were kind of talking about this even before um, we got started. You've competed at 135. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't you wouldn't go back to 135 unless you know like unless I have like I really make a, like a strict nutrition, and then you know maybe who knows. But I would have to really sit down and talk about. It. But like for me, I don't even want to have to think. I think about one sit from 160 to 135. I ain't doing that. Yeah. And like, I mean, when I was cutting to 35, of course, you know. As as we're all coming up through the fight game, I think we all kind of learn, okay, you know, this is the proper way to cut weight. You know, like in the early stages of the fight career, like now, luckily, like it's so advanced that it's like, okay, people have it down to a science. Before, it's like people were kind of just flying by the seat of their pants. They're like, don't eat for the next three days. You'll be good. <laughs> and then it's that kind of stuff. But it's changed so much, so it makes it easier for everybody. But for me, I think it's like, my body's trying to grow, and I'm, I was fighting so recently, you know, like just on like every month I was pretty much fighting. And I was like, okay, fight. Put your way back on. Okay, now you got to cut weight again. Put your way back on. I'm like, oh, this, is, this is killing me. There's a point for during my, my two losses at 35 with, against Kelleher, you know, for me, you know, he got, he got the better of me. But also for me, like it's like the weight cut was really starting to affect me. Like I wasn't coming back from it. The way I was before, you know, so it was like doing much more harm than good. So I was like, you know what, let me move up a weight class, start hitting the weights, you know, start really bulking up a little bit. And then when I did my debut at 45 at uh, at CFFC, like choked the dude out second round. And I was like, I feel great. And I, I had to sit in the sauna for like five minutes, lose like two pounds. And I was like, all right, let's walk on that scale. <laughs> Do you feel like, because I'm looking at the 135 and 145 division. I mean, 145 is fucking stacked. Love it, man. Love it. Do you, is there someone, I mean, you know, let's not look forward. Let's not look past this fight. But is there one guy that you like that stands out to you like, oh, I want to fight him one day? You know what? They they don't stand out because eventually I'm going to cross paths with a lot of them. Mm. Right? It's like, look, they're the top for a reason. And I'm trying to climb my way to the top. So, like, right now, like, Hakeem Dawadu is the person that I'm fighting now. It's like, he's the person I have to beat to get to the top. He's somebody that, of course, you know, we're both coming up, and eventually we're going to cross paths. You know, and then there's people that are still ahead of me who, although they might not see me now because I'm not, like, ranked, I'm still kind of at the bottom. When I work my way up, it's somebody I'm going to cross paths with. And so that actually excites me even more. Because what happens is if I look forward to to try to fight one person in particular, you know, who knows with with this sport the way it is, who knows? They might not be around for that for the sport during that time. Or they just might be like, I'm fighting bigger and better people. So I just focus, I'm like, okay. I know once I get to the top, a lot of you guys are gonna have no choice but to fight me. And I'm like, that's awesome. Cause then we're gonna eventually cross paths. And that makes it more exciting for me. Do you so speaking of Hakeem, uh how do you, what do you see in his game that, I mean, you know, let's not expose it. Let's not expose the game plan. Mm. But, you know, I did, I did watch a, a little tape on him. I think, obviously, he's a great fighter. Um, do you feel like it's your toughest test to date? Yeah. Look, if he, if he's, he's that person, you know, he's, he's worked his way up as well. You know, he's got a, he's got a kickboxing background. Um, he's, he's, he's well-rounded. He's the next tough, tough task in front of me. So, 
if me and him are set to lock horns, I feel like, one, it's going to be a great scrap between me and him. And I just can't wait to really just just bring it. He's that next tough task for me to be able to move on either top 15. So, And I feel like when I'm looking at his game, um, he's got some mean kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you, do you watch a lot of tape on your opponents? Yeah. Is that part of like what's a what's 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 a camp kind of look like at, at team tiger showman's like do you guys you know you have you i'm sure you're practicing multiple times a day uh different disciplines and then do you guys all like watch tape together especially because you know you have i think two of your other teammates it's lyman good and uh and shane burgos that are yeah. also on the card um do you guys all go through the same motions together how's that work well so for for lyman and shane they're fighting more wrestlers so their game plan is a little different. But as, as a team, we all, like every single day from Monday through Friday, it's either we either do jujitsu and then striking or wrestling, striking, boxing, and, you know, jujitsu. So, like, we're constantly working those arts on a regular basis, plus our conditioning right after. But um, usually, you know, we kind of gear the, like, if it's, if they're fighting wrestlers, we're gearing are training towards, you know, what their guys are going to do in practice. If my guy's a, my guy's a striker, we're going to kind of gear to what he does. But all in all, it's like we have, um, we focus on the, you know, everyone kind of goes to the same technique, same drills. And then when it's time to, to spar, you know, sometimes our coach brings, you know, boxers from the outside or people from the outside. So we're not, we're not just going with each other every single time that we spar. We have people from the outside, like world boxing champions or, you know, like really good wrestlers. And, you know, we get in there and we spar with them. We try to implement what we're doing for our fight camps against them. So, like, some days they'll bring, we'll bring some, uh, our coach will bring some guys who are, like, really good wrestlers. Like this, um, who's his name? Rustam, this dude who's, like, he's like a grizzly bear, literally. He's ridiculous. Ridiculous. He's really good, and he'll go in there, you know, with with Lyman, and he's, on, make, he's in the UFC too. No, no, he's um, it's a different. Maybe Rusam. I'm thinking of a different guy. Yeah, this guy, the Rusam, he's more like a like a like a really top okay. wrestling jujitsu guy. He's the one who's like the Russian bear, scary too. I know, man. Those Russian like Dagestani guys, man. They all grapple and wrestle. Like you know what they're hungry for in that, and like, and I I I admire that because it's like. Some people get to that level and then they, okay, I'm in there. I'm comfortable now. I'm, I'm good. Like, no, you got people who are like, all right, I'm going to fight this person. Who's next after? Who's next after? But so I try to keep, I keep the same mindset. I'm like, you don't know how things are going to turn out. Sometimes, look, you might be on the ups and you might hit a slump. I'm like, you got to be ready to go. You got to be hungry for it all times. Like the way it's like if you haven't gotten to the UFC yet. You're hungry to get in there and you got to keep that hunger all the way through. Have you had most of the same coaches since you started? Yeah, I've been with my coaches going on to 18 years. Wow. One of the great things is, um, you know, Tiger Shulman's has brought me from this fat, you know, little kid to this level. So he, they, they really, they literally like raised me from the beginning. I wasn't like, like, I wasn't talented at martial arts at all when I started. So it's not like I was, like, a good wrestler. And they're like, oh, let me just jump, jump in here. Oh, I'm a good striker. Let me just jump in here. No, it's like I had zero experience. None. And then they're like, yeah, we're going to 
I'm gonna raise you. And then we're just they they brought me to this level. Same thing with uh with Shane and Lyman. Like we all started in Tiger Showman's and then they brought us to the UFC level, which is an amazing accomplishment in itself. Like sometimes, you know, you hear other camps, you have somebody who's wrestled in high school for a long time, it's like, I'm gonna join this camp. And then, like you said before, you know, they okay, you know, we'll teach you some striking. Get in there, go. It's like, no, we were we were zero experience, started from scratch. We were just a like a blank canvas, and they made a masterpiece out of all of us. Like, look, myself, Shane, Lyman, Jimmy Rivera, Louis Gallano, sure, former. Jimmy Rivera's at that camp too. Yeah. Jesus. You have uh Mike Trezano. um, Nick Pace, who was one of the one of the first people to go into the the UFC at, at Bantamweight. So and you got you know other people that like I said every one every one of our our fighters, it's they started in Tiger Showman's and they've been they came up through Tiger Showman's even at this high level like with this those were our main coaches from the very beginning. So, what's your relationship like with all those guys? You know Shane Lyman, Jimmy. Would you guys would you say those became like some of your best friends? Yeah, I mean, you spent so much time with them. Yeah, which, I mean, we're on the mat. We beat the shit out of each other on a regular basis, and then we we laugh about it after, and we crack jokes. And those guys, they're all they're all my brothers. Everyone in the in the Tiger Showman's organization, they're 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 family to me, because you know we're always on that mat, putting in work. Like sometimes we show up in the morning train, we're like, oh god, we're exhausted. And then once we start going, it's like we're there to motivate each other, which is great. It's like one one big family. And then you got people that, um, like a lot of up and comers who then they, they come and spar with us and then they get hyped up and then they're like there every single day. And then, so now it's like our amateur team is really growing. We got a bunch of people who are going to be going pro soon. Plus we have our pros and like everyone's just so together and, and it's, it's great because, you know, you, 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 you built like such a bond with them. I build such a bond with all these guys, and I'm just like, you guys, you guys, it's like you guys are like, I feel like you guys are my own flesh and blood. And that, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing to have. Where do you feel like you're at in terms of your career? Because you, I mean, Tecma, would you say you started as a pro maybe later than the average or about average? Like, where do you feel like you're at? Do you feel like you're maybe in the prime? Do you still feel like your prime is not yet there? And then how old do you think, at least, can you imagine yourself fighting professionally for? For, as a pro, I did, I, it did take me a little longer than, than most people to go pro. But, you know, I don't look back, I don't look back and be like, oh my God, it took forever. I was like, this is the journey I had to take. You know, everyone's journey is different. Like for me, I had to take a bunch of different routes. And then when... When like I hit like a like I felt well I felt like I hit like a dead end there, you know I came back to the main point. It's like all right, let's take this road. All right, I hit like a dead dead end there, and this is just like my mindset. But then from every route that I took, I learned something. It taught me a lesson, and then it propelled me to where I am right now. So that's the journey I had to take. Everyone else is diff- has took a different journey. They got there sooner, but I'm like. I had to take this journey. It was great for me. It was a great experience for me. And I had to learn through all these routes that I took to get to where I am. As for my prime, I feel like I'm, I'm almost hitting my prime. Like I'm almost, like I'm actually, I'm just going to hit it. Because 
now that I'm at the high levels, I'm like, all right, you know, like now we really got to step it up even more. Fighting wise, you know, like the fighting, there's a short wind in the fighting career. You know, I know I, I'm going to know at the point where eventually like one day I was like, I'm not going to fight until like I'm 40. Right? Because like fighting, fighting is not all that I have. Like I have, you know, my school, right? The Tiger Showman school that I, I'm teaching at every single day. So, you know, look, I live, I live an awesome life because I train and I go teach what I do. So I'm always, a, you know, in the mix of martial arts. But, you know, like my school is in, my school's in, in Bayside, Queens. And that's where I go to. Like, so I train in the morning, go teach and do it all over. And, you know, eventually the objective is just produce great students. Like for me, I was the 1% that from our, you know, even for like us fighters, we're the 1% from the entire organization that chose to take the route to go to the UFC, to make it to the high level. You know, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not a fight school. We're a school for people that want to learn how to defend themselves, adults that want to get into shape. So, and there's going to be, of course, that 1% that's like, I want to compete. I want to do this. And we were that 1%. So I know the great thing about this is even after I'm done fighting, like I'm going to have my school there. So, so, you know, like... Tiger Showman has set me up, you know, for everything, you know, like, so it's like, okay, you're done fighting. You're not going to be those people. It's like, you know what? Let me do this fight here. And then you get hurt for no reason. And he's like, dude, stop fighting. Like it's, you're, you're not helping yourself. It's like, I'm, I'm set in every aspect. So I'm done fighting. You're like, I don't know. Like, like, like when that point hits, when I feel like, all right, maybe I should stop. Then that's going to be what I'm going to be like, all right, I'm done. But as of now, I feel fantastic. I'm ready to scrap, man. <laughs> have your have your parents been uh, when when you first told them that you were gonna go pro and make a career out of it? Were they supportive? Were they like, uh, <laughs> what was that like? Oh man, that was uh, that was a crazy moment itself. Just when I was fighting, when I was gonna sign my first amateur contract, it there was a lot of dispute because you know look of course i see it from parents point of view it's like you're fighting that's barbaric it's like it's like i don't want you getting in there and getting hurt so it became this whole discussion like my heart was set i was like i want to fight i want to compete I'm like this is the next step i can make it really far like look people believe that i can make it really far i believe i can make it really far and you know like my sisters were like just sign the contract just sign the contract just sign it and go fight whatever it's like the, ignore and of course like because my mom was like, uh, no, nah, I don't want you fighting this, that. It became this whole ordeal. And I was like, I'm like stressing out because I'm like, because I wasn't able to fight until I was 18. I had to turn 18 to be able mm -hmm. to like go into the cage. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm 18. I'm like, I'll just sign it, whatever. I'm like, I signed it. And of course, you know, my mom was upset at me for a, for a bunch of days. And even as like through my fighting career, you know, she's always, she's always worried. But, you know, it's, it's a parent's duty. That's what they... So they do. You know, they come to your fights? My mom came to a couple of my fights. You know, she, she can't stay and watch. She's like, I don't want to see you get hurt. I'd rather watch her on TV, especially after that MSG fight. <sighs> oh, my God. Was she in the crowd for that? She was there for that oh, one. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, like with that amount of blood and all that, it's like, you know. But yeah, I think, she, you know, she's at a point. She's like, she's like, she's like, I'm, she's like, I'm just proud of you. I think that, you know, people finally, it finally clicks in. 
because of course, you know, her word side as a mother, you know, seeing, you know, her, her kid, you know, of course I'm turning 30 and she still sees me like I'm like, I'm 10 years old, which that, I don't mind. She's like, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm the youngest of the family. So, you know, she, she sees me like that and she just doesn't want anything to happen to me. But now she's like, you know, go out there, do your thing. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm so happy for you. It's like, you're, you're living your dream. And I'm like, I'm like, sweet. <laughs> do you think you would be a UFC fighter if you weren't that over eight, overweight 13-year-old kid? If I was a UFC fighter before? Right, wait, do you think you would have gotten into mixed martial arts if you weren't overweight and you... You know what? That's a really good question. I don't know. I, I think if if I was if I wasn't overweight, I don't think I would be where I am right now. And because I think like the fact that before like I was I was actually like a very scrawny kid, and I'm just like active all over. I'd probably be playing you know like soccer, or basketball, and you know don't get me wrong, those are great sports to play and to learn from, but. I think just martial arts has taught me a lot about myself because this is more like a self journey to me. And what does it tell you? It, well, you know, it it just taught me just how to really face adversity in life. Because think of it this way: it's um, like in jujitsu, you have somebody that's just laying on top of you, trying to choke you out. It's like I just lay here and just let this person. It's like I don't even bother fighting. It's like I just let this person just choke me out. Don't even put up a fight, or freaking fight till the end, man. Fight whatever, and, and then like. If you get choked out, but you're trying to fight out of it, okay, that's all right. Rather than just give up and be like, okay, just, you know, do whatever you want. So through 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 my journey, you know, as a kid, just trying to overcome the fact that other kids bullied me because of my weight. People teased me. You know, I was that kid that wouldn't take off his shirt at a swimming pool because I'm like, you know, I'll just go swim my shirt. It's all right. Even though the water gets soaked, and you still see my rolls through it. <laughs> I was like, so... You know, it was like, I'm like, okay, instead of just taking it in like a negative direction, it just like mentally it did a lot for me because I'm like, uh, p- people say a lot of stuff, but you can either take it as as like something that t- t- you're going to let bring you down or you could be like, you know what? I'm going to keep that as kind of fuel. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to add fuel to my, f- I'm going to like, just add fuel right there to the furnace. And when I'm ready, I'm going to freaking light that match and I'm going to show every one of you guys who called me, you know, fat or teased me and like, look where I am now. And like, you know, unfortunately, like, you know, like you, like I see a lot of, a lot of people that I knew from back then, you know, like, and I look, I'm like, I'm, I'm freaking, I feel fantastic. Like, look, if I was to shave right now, people are like, you, you're 16 years old. Yeah. Like literally, <laughs> the facial hair is what, actually makes me look I know you look older. young bro exactly <laughs> and I'm, like I said I'm turning 30 I'm turning 30 and I'm like I see people at, at my age and you know they they're not in the greatest shape like they they look like it's like miles were put on them so I'm just like in a way I kind of glad that I put on the weight that I did when I was younger because to me like martial arts is kind of like my fountain of youth you know like mentally like like look i'm 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 never stressed in my life like i always feel i always feel great i'm doing what i love to do i'm fighting at the highest level i'm teaching you know martial arts i'm kind of passing down the knowledge and the experience that i have to whether it's even to adults or the who want to get in shape just teach them like, like don't quit it's tough in the beginning but once you go it's like you're gonna be able to do it to kids like look stand up for yourself 
right? It's okay. You, it's like you have that right to defend yourself. It's like defend yourself. Don't let this person get the better of you. I mean, like, and like, look, you see how crazy things are lately. It's like I'd rather impact people's lives that way. And they see it's like if he can do, if he was able to do it when he was younger, it's like I can do it too. I was like, and the fact that this person believes in me, like I'm going to keep going because even if one person believes in you, it's like you, you're going to see how far you can really go. And so like to me, it was uh, great like mentally, emotionally, physically. And it's just like, it became like, like my thing. I said, it was my fountain of youth. I said, it keeps you young. <laughs> like so I'm turning 30 and I feel great. <laughs> There's also, I mean, yeah, I love all that. And I love, you know, you can feel that kind of positivity, and even when you're when you're watching your fights, and uh, and I love when they when they show in between rounds the fighters on the stool. I've never seen someone who smiles as much in between rounds. I mean, like even I think after the first round with the, you know, in the, in the only fight that that you lost in the UFC after that first round with Shame, and you're smiling, you're there, you're ready, you're excited. Um, you know, it's it's refreshing to see. Uh, I'm also uh, wondering because you said you mentioned it earlier, uh, and she's not here right now. I don't know where she is. Uh, how's Asia been, uh, you said she's your rock, you know, yeah. and a lot of, um, I had, as I mentioned, Eric Anders on with, with his wife, with his wife, Yasmin, and it's probably tough for, uh, for fighters, wives or girlfriends to see them in their the MMA wives, the MMA wives. <laughs> how, how has she, you know, how has she been your rock? You know, the, the fact that the, the, the fight career is, is is not an easy one just because you have to commit. You got to put a lot of time into that. Like it's not just like, you know, you're you're sacrificing a lot of the time that you are, whether spending with your family, you know, going out with your friends and things like that because you're waiting for this moment to happen. You have an opportunity, you're going to take it. And the fact that, you know, like, and this is to all the MMA wives out there, um, they're sticking by you. They're supporting you. Because look, sometimes it's like you're training, then I'm teaching, and then when I'm home, you know, it's like I, sometimes I'm exhausted. Even sometimes, look, sometimes we go. Sometimes we, I'll be always yeah, fucking pretty exhausted. Much, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, look, we go out, and although I'm there, like mentally, like my mind's somewhere else, and you know, like I even tell her, it's like it's like it's like I'll be like I'm like I'm sorry, like you know, I'm I'm there, but sometimes I'm just like I'm. I'm physically here, but I'm mentally I'm like thinking I'm like checked out somewhere else. And she she understands it. Like she 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 gets it. You know, and she's like a hundred percent supportive about it. And she's like, look, I'm with you every step of the way. Whether it's during, you know, like in my highs and lows. She's just like, so let's let's fucking kick ass. Let's be brilliant this week. And, you know, like look, she's kind of in it too like she she's a uh, certified strength and conditioning coach so she's constantly teaching clients she's trying to also build herself as a well-known coach and she's really climbing up and really making a name for herself so you know she's putting in the work she's putting in the time so we understand what the type of lifestyles that we that we're living and that's great because the fact that i know if she's like focused like when she was taking her as a I forgot the name of the test. How's it called? But it's like to become like a certified strength and conditioning coach. NSCS. Yeah, that test. Like she's putting in like ridiculous amount of hours studying for it. And she's like, you know, I got to study. And I'm like, I'm like, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Like do your thing. Like it's all going to be worth it at the end when you, you know, become that certified coach. And if it's going to propel your career to something even bigger, I'm like, I'm like, I'm 100% behind you because 
I know exactly what, you know, and all fighters do, what it takes, especially when it comes to fighting. Look, you're committing time to, you got to train, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do, you got to make sure every, every, every step is taken correctly. And, you know, they're there in support. And they're like, we get it. We want you to, like, we want you to be, uh, like, the, uh, we want you to be a champion. We want you to take it as far as you can. So, there, you know, she's been by me ever, for every step. So, you know, like, like people before, have this, like, they couldn't keep up with that kind of lifestyle. And she does. And she's been nothing but supportive. So, I, you know, while well, she's not here, yeah, got to thank, thank her. And shout out to all the MMA wives. <laughs> shout out to the MMA wives. Do you believe you'll be UFC champion one day? Yeah, man. Like, I'm I'm super hungry for it. Like, I'm looking to just climb and face every freaking monster that's put in front of me because that's literally what I'm climbing. It's like, it's like you guys, the thing is like Mount Olympus. At the top, you're going to find whoever's at the top, and I'm going to be like, we're going to fight one day, and it's going to be for a title. So whoever's up there, whoever gets to that title, beats Max Holloway, or if I have to fight Max Holloway one day, be super pumped. Cannot wait. All right. Give me your prediction Saturday, November 2nd against Hakeem Dewadu. What's going down? All I, I'm going to tell you is it's going to be a freaking scrap. And just like anything else, I'm looking to leave with my hand raising victory. It'll do whatever it takes. Every Whatever it takes. Absolutely beautiful. You can find Julio on Instagram at JulioArce89, on Twitter at JArceTSMMA. My man. It has been an honor to have you on. I am super excited. Oh, make sure that you tune in. 6.30 p.m. He's kicking it off at Madison Square Garden that you can watch on UFC Fight Pass, I believe. Yes. That's Saturday, November 2nd. It's a huge card. Julio, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on, my man. I am so excited to see you kick some ass. Thank you so Um, much. And then you'll always be... uh, invited back on whenever you want yeah man this this was great for this is my first ever podcast so you know thanks thank you for having me and i can't wait to do it again this would be awesome experience thank you so much man. of course appreciate man. it